0: I'm Vivian this is what happened after and we're gonna be talking about grief today well grief and amongst other things really just about the process of getting through really hard shit trying to find community in the midst of it and trying to not lose yourself through the process you're actually finding me the day after my mom's birthday my mom has been passed away since I was 10 years old I'm 27 now so it was kind of a rough day. And as I was listening back to this conversation I had with Ali last week when I was still in London, I realized there are so many gems on here that I'm holding on to tight today because grief isn't something that goes away. It changes and morphs with you and grows with you no matter your life, your season and what you're going through. So I felt like the best way to actually bring the idea of grief to life, ironically enough, <laughs> was to bring Allie, my friend, on this podcast to talk about it. We actually connected on Instagram years ago, mostly about creativity, but also about the fact that we've gone through really hard shit together or separately, but alongside each other. Allie runs a creative agency. She is an overall amazing human. She has the most beautiful twin babies. And now she's on What Happened After, talking to you about all the little pockets of her life and what you can grab from them. Here's Allie. I'm coming to you straight from London, where I've been for the last few weeks, um, with my friend Ali. Who this is actually going to end up being a little bit of a catch up for us as well as a podcast recording because we haven't talked in a little bit in person or virtually in person. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to have Ali on. Who we connected on Instagram first off, and have been somewhat in each other's lives since then, and kind of seen ups and downs, never actually meeting in person. And this is probably the closest we're getting to another phone conversation in a little bit. So, Ali, I'm so excited to have you on.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here and honored, of course.
0: Oh, my gosh. You're too sweet. You're th- I'm really thankful that you decided to come on and just talk about all the things. We were kind of briefing right before I hit record. And we're going to really cover the the range of topics, everything from career to life to grief to anything in between that comes up. <laughs>
1: Perfect. There's a lot to cover, so. (laughs) Well,
0: let's start in, I think, the best place, which is introducing yourself and letting people get to know you and the awesome human that you are.
1: Yeah, so I'm Allie, and I live down in Austin, Texas. And just like Vivian said, we've never met, which is crazy. But I think we, I think it's been like three and a half, maybe almost four years since we've been Insta friends. Pretty sure, which is wild. Um, And since then,
0: we've seen like you have babies and a new everything that's happening. Yeah,
1: so much. Yeah, and we've talked about, (laughs) yeah, you and I have talked about so much over those last three and a half, four years. So yeah, it's crazy that we haven't met. But like I said, I'm Allie. I live down in Austin and I own a social media marketing and photography content creation business and I work with mainly small business, product-based ladies. Um, no offense to the dudes, but I like my ladies. <laughs> and I recently also took over a very long-term client's um, company called Kate Max Stock. So within Kate Max Stock, we again do a whole bunch of content creation. We do um, styled stock photography for, again, female entrepreneurs. So we've got the whole girl power thing going on over here. You
0: LifeWise is also as invigorating and awesome. In a nutshell, Um, I think so many of our conversations have been anchored on everything we're doing life wise and growing career wise and all the ups and downs that come that come with that. I think it's so exciting that you've taken on this long term client. I saw the Instagram post about it. and I was so pumped to be able to talk to you more about why you decided to take that on. Like, what was the growth challenge and opportunity there for you? Because I know you already have you've turned verb house into a staple and something that I'm always so excited to see when you post on IG and, and just talk about. So what was the impetus between behind deciding to grow deeper and further into the whole content creation game?
1: Well, so Katie, who originally started Kate Max Stock, she has been my long-term client for like since the beginning, basically for years now. Um, and she is just a really amazing woman. She's brilliant. She's awesome. And She's about to embark on um, a PhD journey. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's also a mom to three little kids who are so cute. Um, so she's a little bit busy. So I stepped up in a really big way with then Kate Maxstock as Verb House. Um, and so I was kind of doing the, all the day-to-day things already for the past few years. Um, so Katie started talking to me about taking over her business well over a year ago and at first when she first approached me about it I thought she was crazy <laughs> I was like you're insane there's no way I can do this why would I do this this is crazy no 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 no." and I just kept shutting it down shutting it down shutting it down like multiple times over the course of at least a year and then I was talking to my mom about it and my mom was like well why not Ali like why would you not do this like you're already doing everything pretty much and it's right up your wheelhouse it's content creation and photography and then I don't know. As soon as she said that, it's like the sky parted. And I was like, oh, well, okay, you're right. Let's do it. And then here we are. Now we're doing it. What does it entail to actually be doing that? So I think the, the biggest part that I've taken on since I've t- taken over it is the general planning of shoots. So what we really specialize in is stock, style stock photography, again, geared towards that female entrepreneur. So it's basically any type of gorgeous, beautiful photo that female entrepreneurs can use to market their business on Instagram, Pinterest, their website, for their branding clients, the whole gamut. So I think the photography content creation and the shoot planning, that is more the bulk of what I've taken on now that I've um, taken over the company. But aside from that, everything else, the marketing, the membership retention, Mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff is things that my company, Verb House, was already taking care of. So it's kind of a very seamless transition. It's pretty nice. Why do you think you were so scared to
0: kind of take it on if you were already picking up so much of it? Like, would you have to sidestep in order to get to the place where you're now even just talking to me about it seemingly so – not nonchalant isn't the right word, but so calm about it and so much ease is, like, exuding off of you?
1: Oh, man. I think – um Okay, it's a lot scarier to take over someone else's business and potentially screw that up, I think, rather than just screwing up your own business somehow. (laughs) Like, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think it was mainly that. It was just me needing to believe more in myself and get out of my own way um, and realize that I'm not going to screw it up. I've never screwed up business, so why would I screw it up now? I'm not going to. So, yeah, I think that it was just pure insecurity basically
0: mm-hmm. Well help you sidestep that a little bit was it just the like what was it that actually came down to I need to believe my, myself more what did that look like tangibly or did it look like anything tangibly
1: um it was pretty much just that one conversation with my mom when my mom was like why would you not do this like this is a great opportunity and you can do it like why why do you think you can't do it um yeah, it was pretty much just that one conversation and it just kind of like hit me at the top of my head and then I was like, you know what? That is freaking right. I can do this. I'm going to do it. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> so often we end up like really convincing ourselves that we can, that it ends up taking someone else to point it out to be like, oh, actually wait. Like not only can I, like I've actually done it already before.
1: Exactly, yeah. We're our own worst critics, people, sabotagers, all of it.
0: We've talked about that before, just how often we can stand in our own way unless we decide to shed light on the parts of us that hurt the most or that are the scarier so that we don't trust them the most
1: yeah yeah 100% I think that yeah I think especially (laughs) when you have come from a I don't want to say like dark background because my background isn't necessarily dark but my roads that I've walked have not been smooth easy roads so I think that you kind of naturally already have like a defense mechanism built up and you kind of, when something really amazing and great is basically landing in your lap, I personally don't believe it. And I try to figure out, well, what, like, what's going on? This is way too good to be true. This cannot be real. And then I try to find all the things that are wrong with it. I'm the
0: same exact way. I think so much of, and we've talked about this prior too, but like, yeah, I wouldn't describe my past as, dark but it has been jagged. Um yep, and I think that, that that's has, a good word. Yeah. And it, and then that jagged makes you way jaded about like good things coming into your yep. life. And it's you're almost having to yep. retrain yourself to not see a good thing as a opportunity for a bad thing and a big fall. Right? Cuz yep. like that that's the scariest part is like when something really good is happening and you've dealt with really bad shit before. You're like, how far am I gonna fall from here, and is yeah, it gonna it's hurt like, as hard?
1: Exactly, yeah. It's just like you're just waiting for the impending disaster to take place,
0: and it's so hard to live like that. And like I know for me, so much of it has come down to all the grief that I've experienced, and like losing my mom and my grandma, and just this, like this close proximity to mortality and to, you know, how bad end of life can be. Right when you don't expect it, when you do expect it, no matter the circumstances around it, it just ends up traumatizing you and making it really hard for you to sidestep, even like the best things in your life. And that shit is hard to deal with,
1: yeah. And I think it never, it doesn't, I don't think it ever goes away. I think it's probably something that we'll be dealing with and figuring out the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. We've talked about how (laughs) grief, I know, right? Grief, amazing partner of
0: life. Um, but it is, and I think it it morphs and it changes depending on the season you're in and it can be heavier or lighter as a result of that but it's always there how have you navigated kind of trying to reframe those or dealing with grief as a whole in your life (laughs) i know right loaded and high question
1: um (laughs) oh gosh grief um grief and i are oh gosh i don't want to say we're friends because i hate grief we're not friends, but we have basically a lifelong relationship with each other at this point. And I would have said up until probably the last couple of months, I would have said that I thought that I dealt with grief because, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. things look a lot clearer. Yeah. Um, so I would have said that I dealt with grief pretty well considering the different grief walks that I've walked through. Um, but... Right now, I am slowly trudging through the quicksand of a very recent and massive grief. Um, Mm -hmm. And I honestly probably wouldn't say that I'm dealing with it very well right now. Um, But again, had you asked me that five months ago, I probably would have thought that I was dealing with it pretty well. But now it's getting harder.
0: yeah I I think I feel you man the deep sigh there is just like the most empathetic I can be with that because it is you always think you know it better than you know it and then something yeah. hits and you're like oh wait I actually know absolutely nothing about it and that's really hard and it's I think one of the things I've realized and learned the most is how different it is every time it visits your door. It's like a different kind of grief.
1: Yes, yeah, and I think that that is kind of where it catches you by surprise because you think like, or I personally thought and have told myself for basically half my life now, well, I've walked through this grief, I can handle grief when it comes in my way again. Like I've walked through this grief, I can handle the next grief. And then every time it comes back, I'm like, oh, (laughs) blindsided.
0: What have you found that is helpful, even the slightest, this time around, that you got from the last few times that maybe doesn't make it any less surprising or any less new, but is somehow at least
1: reminding you there's a light there? Oh, gosh. Um. Well, okay, so this big grief that's in my life right now is because my dad passed away, oh, like, seven months ago. Um. And previously... I would say my, I've had numerous grief yeah. sessions <laughs> throughout my life, but I would say the, obviously the very biggest one before my dad was my big brother passed away very unexpectedly when I was 15, um, mm-hmm. which was almost 15 years ago, which is another insane thing. Um, and I think yeah. what got me through that point was my mom and dad, um, My mom and dad and I got extremely close, like kind of freakily close after Mm -hmm. that. And so I think this time around, like, I don't have my dad. Like, I don't have my dad to talk to and, you know, just go to. And I used to say to my Mm -hmm. dad all the time, like, what am I going to do when you're not here one day? Like, I can't live without you, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And he would always say, you're going to be fine. Like, you'll be totally fine. And I think I just, like, I can't just call him and say, dad, like, what do I do? Like, what do I do without you? I mean, aside from losing your father and like, that's huge in itself. But I think one of the things that makes this one so hard is that he was always my refuge and my safe place. Now that's not here. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) here come the tears. I honestly right now don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing right now that is actively helping or getting me through it. Um, I will say that my twin babies are miracles upon miracles. Mm -hmm. Um, They clearly help. Like, I mean, how could they not? (laughs) They're Um, the most adorable kids ever. (laughs) Thank you. I, of course, think that myself, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I started therapy again very recently. Um, I'm having a love-hate relationship with it. So I don't know. I'm just really in the Mm -hmm. huge, deep, messy thick of it right now and probably have a long way to go honestly I'll tell you what I think from the outside
0: looking in which is like always the outside looking in um (laughs) yeah I can say that from that perspective while skewed and probably you know only a glimpse of what it actually looks like I think what I see isn't a highlight reel because I think you've been you're one of my favorite followers on Instagram, one of my favorite people in the world. But your authenticity always peeks through all the content that you're putting out and all the conversations that you're having with the community you have with Verb House. But more than anything, I think I see in the thick of it someone who is strong. And I say that only... The way I say that isn't with doubt of you being strong, but I don't even know if strong is the right word for it. Because I think it's more you are there and you are present and I know how hard it is to be present when you're coping with the shittiest things in your life. And I think I see you being present with your kids and I see you being present with work and I see you showing up for grief with grief and grief. And that isn't easy.
1: No. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Yeah. I think having walked through grief so many times that I know the only way through it is through it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't want to hide from it. I don't want to run from it. I want to just get through it. Um, And I'll be getting through it the rest of my life, as I know, as you know. But, yeah, I think that I have made a very, very conscious effort to face it and approach it and sit with it and sometimes punch it and kick it and scream at it every single day. But, yeah, thank you for saying that because I do try really hard to be present to all of the shitty and good and wonderful and very crappy feelings of life. <laughs> and you are and I think that the weirdest crappiest
0: thing about grief is just how unique it is to every single person it shows up with and how it can mold you up until the point that you say actually I don't want you to mold me that much let me figure out how I'm gonna mold you Yeah. and that inflection point doesn't happen right away. And it takes oh, yeah. a long time and long time is defined by a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. When I was thinking about having this conversation with you, I know a big part of it for me is we've talked about this before and I've been so thankful that you were willing and able to to kind of go here with me. Cause I know it's helpful for other people too in terms of just like this is shitty and it doesn't feel good and it's unique to every single person and every time you feel it it's different. But I think that there's also something about hearing other people talk about it who are I don't want to say a couple steps ahead cuz that makes it feel very linear but who also understand it and are a couple of death anniversaries <laughs> away from it and whatever that may entail entails a of like measurement of time or experience, I don't know but and and it's something so unique too when you have a new loss and you can refer back to another one that you had and think about what would I have told myself the first time around and how can I help myself now that I know something even if it's not a lot so to that I pose both of us the question of what is actually helpful if you're listening to this and it's your first go around Ugh. right <laughs> Who's going
1: first you or me <laughs> um oh oh um, no um, hmm i think i think you'll agree that through and through day by day it's just really freaky and crappy <laughs> and like there's not, there's nothing you can do to get away from that crap. Like it's, it's just there. You have to let it be there. Uh, if you want it, I guess heal correctly or appropriately or whatever the correct terminology there would be. Um, I think that when we get into real big trouble is when we try to run from the grief, because why would you not want to run from it? It's horrible. It's terrible. Yep. Um, but i think running from it and i think there is a certain point through every grief journey that you are going to run from it i absolutely think that and i think that's totally normal but i think if you run from it every second every day of your life that's when things just get really really dark and bad and scary um
0: so i, second I think that's hard
1: yeah i think you have to sit with it unfortunately it sucks but you do
0: and i think you learn that you learn that the first go around and then you can apply it the next go around yeah which do so dark <laughs> yeah, I, th- yeah. <laughs> I think
1: you but- learn that when you're on the other side of it yeah yeah but
0: I also think that um, from listening to you 100% agree that would probably be my tidbit of light shining on this is just you can't run from it and you will try to outrun it and then realize you you can't like you physically are not faster than this thing and it'll catch up to you and it'll take you for what you're worth in that moment and honestly it feels almost like the more you outrun it the weaker you get and the less able you are to actually cope through the highs and lows of whatever it means in that specific day or in that specific moment in time and but I think you're right I think I don't believe that there are stages in grief that just isn't how I've experienced it I think that if I think our desire to say that there are stages of grief is our desire to put it in a box and say that eventually we'll be over it over it and that we can walk away from it which I just isn't real um yeah no (laughs) so I think but I will say that the only thing that I do two things that I do think are like the Mm -hmm. they exist within the world of grief is that that you just can't outrun it and eventually you realize that and that by the same regard, there are also moments with grief that you start molding yourself and start realizing, oh wait, I am strong enough to say, I can't handle this right now. I'm not gonna deal with it right now. Right now is not the moment I'm gonna break down. And that is just strength training. That is like months of like at the gym, going at it, learning how to actually put those boundaries.
1: Yeah, yeah. I um, One time when I was younger, So after my brother died when I was 15, I, obviously it was terrible for a couple of years. Um, And then I somehow, and I didn't make this conscious decision. I didn't. I just, Mm -hmm. it just happened. Um, but somehow I really started to use that grief as a very powerful force in my life. And Mm -hmm. it's really obviously shaped me into, completely who I am today. And I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like who I am. And I attribute a lot of that, unfortunately, to the really shitty grief that I've been through throughout my life. And um, at one point, my mom said, I don't want this grief to define you. Like, I don't want your brother's death to define you. I don't want all of this pain that we've walked through as a family to define you. And I was like, Mom, it, it absolutely defines me. Like, it is who I am. Like it has made me who I am. And I now as a parent and several years (laughs) later down the line, like 10 years later down the line, I can 100% see what she means that she didn't want that grief to define me. But Mm -hmm. the grief has also made me a much more beautiful person. Like I can truly, really appreciate the joy in every single second if the joy is there. (laughs) And I tell the people I love that I freaky love them. It probably gets annoying to them. And I truly don't take a single second with the people that I love for granted. Not at all. Sometimes it's suffocating, like how much I appreciate it. Um, And so I think that when you can find, like when you can get through the really horrible parts of grief and eventually it may take years, but eventually it may take months. Who knows? It's your story. I don't know. But eventually when you come out on the other side I do think that there is the possibility for your life and your future to be incredibly, amazingly, beautifully brilliant. But it takes a lot to get there. (laughs) Yep. And
0: I don't like the word define because it feels so much like it has a negative connotation. Yeah. (laughs) Because, but I think you're right, right? Like I think, I think maybe that's why I've been using the word mold a lot more lately Yeah, because I feel like it is just a little part of me is molded by this, but also a big part of me is molded by it. And I agree. I think that every person that I have met that has been touched by grief is and who has kind of, who has navigated it in in the most healthiest way that they possibly can and come out of the, not the other side because lord knows that tunnel is long but who has found healthier coping mechanisms as a result of it is so much more beautiful as a result and so much more themselves and grounded in something that is deeper and more present than anything i would have known i think if i hadn't experienced all of these things because you do have a deeper appreciation for life and for and for death in that way too Mm -hmm. you know like I I see end of life and I notice end of life as a process instead of as a moment and then you see how end of life is extends beyond the time a person's last breath and is the process that a person all those who live and and see the grief have to also live by But I think that there's so much beauty that comes from being molded by something so harsh and then deciding how to present that out into the world and deciding that I'm not going to be a sadder version of myself. I'm going to allow myself to be sad, but it doesn't have to be every single inch of me and I can look at the joy and see it and grab it and hold on to it and also allow myself moments where things are just freaking bittersweet because I wish it was and I could... You know, if I could have this and all these sentences that we wish we had. But I also think that there were so many moments when I was at my lowest and it was that grief was at its hardest where people would always tell me, I just really wish that you would have like a day, a year, a month with just happiness and no sadness and nothing hard to go through. And I was like, listen, I'm over here. I'm just wishing to know joy in the midst of hard and to understand how to appreciate that because I know that life is yeah life is this you know this is life but if I can figure out how to still hold on to joy in that then that's the thing that I will be okay being known for
1: yeah oh yeah to be known for that that's really beautiful and would be a gift um yeah that's not easy either I think um the babies so we went through years of infertility and you had that experience
0: completely offline for the most part up until oh, yeah. the moment when it wasn't offline and oh, that so completely. i didn't so because we're like instagram friends <laughs> um <laughs> i didn't know a lot of that until i knew a lot of that and i just was so astounded by you and you opened my eyes to an entire world of IVF that I just hadn't been privy on because it never touched me that close. And your experience was something that made me so conscious of the way that so many people are actively trying.
1: Yes. Oh, Yeah. So my husband and I have said that we will never ask somebody ever again. And we, I mean, we probably haven't done this for three years now Um, when they're, having a baby, or when they're having their second baby, or do they want kids, like, we, because so many people ask us those questions, um, and they killed us, like, they absolutely killed us, and, at the time, and so we have pledged to never ask that about our friends, family, like, anybody, um, but I think that, like, you saying that, actually, that you're very conscious of that, and aware of people struggling there now, It's kind of my entire feelings around sharing grief, actually, Um, Mm -hmm. is that like infertility and grief, those are very real, really hurtful, really hard things to go through. And nobody talks about them ever. And I just think that's such freaking bullshit. And I'm tired of that. So (laughs) (laughs) I am not going to tiptoe around like they're kind of uncomfortable topics for people if they've never been through them and if they can't relate. And I think that I've never tiptoed around sharing my grief. I've always just put it out there and, you know, this is how it is. If you can't accept me in this really crappy time in my life when I'm probably not the best version of myself, then, like, whatever, goodbye. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that at some point someone is going to experience grief and they need to, A, know that it's okay to, like, think that they're freaking crazy at some point. Yep. And I don't know. I'm just so freaking tired of bullshitting around it, so I'm not doing that anymore. But with infertility, we didn't share that for such a long time until basically our... IVF worked. And we were pregnant with twins. Um, we, I mean, I was pregnant with twins, but it was a joint <laughs> efforts of whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that that infertility journey was such a hard, like it was grief in a way that I had never experienced grief before, obviously. Like it wasn't, wasn't like someone had like actually died, but every right. single month it felt like something was dying. Um, and that wasn't something that I was comfortable sharing with anyone, like even really close friends and like Mm -hmm. people would ask, when are you going to have a baby? And I would just be like, huh, I don't know. Maybe one day when inside (laughs) I was crying at that question because they didn't know that I was just at the doctor getting my blood drawn and something was negative or wrong or whatever. Mm -hmm. But hearing you say that you are much more aware and conscious of that now is like, oh, it's like, like, I don't know, Jesus speaking to me, because that's just amazing. And I think that that is why we need to share these really hard things. And maybe we don't Mm -hmm. share them until after the fact. That's totally fine. Like, that's absolutely fine. That's actually healthy, probably. (laughs) But I think that we share them so that other people can become more aware and so that other people can be more empathetic and other people can understand more. And if no one ever talks about this crap and doesn't ever share it, the, like, the, what are we doing? Like, no one's getting any further along in life then. Preach. I think,
0: yes, preach. Like, preach, preach, preach. And <laughs> also, I've learned just from my sharing my grief, too, is, like, if you're not sharing it, not only are you not shifting the narratives and, like, the the bias of not having these conversations, right, but you're also not allowing yourself to have community, that could support you right back and it doesn't have to be community in the thick of it because right then and now like maybe the only community you needed in that moment was just your husband and that's it you know and like that is was and is enough but in the aftermath of like okay this worked now we're here but there's a lot of ptsd to deal with (laughs) and a lot of like How am I scared and fearful of like XYZ thing that maybe no one else would understand except for those who have actually gone through it. Yes, And allowing yourself the space of that community is actually the most healing thing that you could possibly do, right? And I think that so often we think that sharing it is actually just like begging for attention or we're like, oh my God, I'm making people uncomfortable by talking about this thing. But the reality is like that means nothing because the people who are uncomfortable with it aren't the people I'm trying to talk to anyway. And they aren't the people that are going to yes. rally for me. And if they have no space or room to try to understand, then that's fine. That's their journey, but it doesn't have to be or impact mine. And so when you shared, I think for me, it was just this eye opening thing of just, you just, A, a really, really specific reminder, like you just never know you what never people know. are going through. Right. Yeah. And, oh, never. and I love that you're saying that you and your husband have vowed to never ask someone any version of a question around a baby. Because the reality is, like, you just, you never know. You never know, yeah. And it's made me more conscious of just that. Like, you just never know. And people struggle, and it's hard, and it's rough. And I love that in your call to action in life right now and all the stuff that you're doing, it's like, how can I show up? And how can I be the best, most vulnerable version of myself So that then it lets in all the people that it needs to let in and lets in the energy that needs to be let in. And and I can also give at the same time.
1: Yeah, which is a constant every day battle
0: (laughs) yeah because it's never easy to hit share on shit and it's never easy to be like let's talk about this really i mean even you know you said like it's really hard to have these uncomfortable conversations if you've never gone through it truth is it's hard to have these uncomfortable conversations even if you have like we stumbled as we were having this conversation and that is just i hope that whoever is listening to this heard that and hears this part now that just because it's uncomfortable and you stumble and you don't necessarily know how to get at it or what angle to come at it doesn't mean you shouldn't try.
1: No, it's so important. You have to try.
0: It's the thing that ends up keeping you alive when you're going through the really, really hard things.
1: Yeah, completely. And I think that personally, I think that when you've walked through deep grief, I think that you obviously start to view um, your relationships and some friendships differently. Mm -hmm. And I think there's an opportunity if you're on the outside of that grief, there's an opportunity to be that person's most beautiful savior in a sense. (laughs) Like not that, you know, you're Jesus, but like, Oh, it's just so rare to show up completely for someone walking through grief because it is hard. It's uncomfortable. And if you've never walked through it, And even if you have walked through it, it's still like, well, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. But I think that when you can show up for that person, no matter what they're going through, whether it is infertility or it's the death of somebody, or it's, I don't know, whatever thing they're grieving, which there's a lot of things you can grieve for. (laughs) Um, Yep. I don't know. I think it's just really special and really rare when someone can show up completely for you. And I think when they do show up that just changes that relationship and that friendship forever for the better obviously
0: yep and you notice it in ways that that you always remember you're 100% right as we start wrapping up this conversation which I wish we didn't have to um (laughs) I know I know I, I think we've we've covered a lot we did the thing we said we were gonna do we we hit on the things of career and mental health and grief and everything kind of under these umbrellas and what are kind of some last, eh, not last words, but what are some words you would like to share um, as we sign off here on this
1: episode? Mm, Okay. I think just know that the fire is going to rage and it's going to be pretty freaking terrible. But I promise you that there is joy and there's a ton of beauty and there's amazing relationships and so much love and grace and hope and a beautiful future on the other side of it even though you probably maybe can't even get out of bed today and that's okay
0: and that is maybe the best way to end this conversation um remind us where people can find you on instagram and on the internets
1: you can find me at verb house creative on instagram that's a verb with a v like be a verb it's my little slogan um and then sometimes I write (laughs) very infrequently at thankyouandiloveyou.com which is basically just a love letter to the people that I love because I know you've got to tell them that and yeah that's pretty much where you can find me all the time and infrequently (laughs) thank you
0: so (laughs) much for being on here Allie I really hope that whatever you've gone through whatever you're going through that this conversation ended up giving you a little bit of solace and just a reminder that you're not alone no matter what you're walking through. I'm the host of What Happened After. Make sure to subscribe, rate, give it all the love wherever you listen to podcasts because it helps make sure that others can find it, maybe be helped by it as well. Or if you have a friend who you think would really benefit from this podcast, just hit that share button and send it their way. I'd love to hear what you thought about the episode, so make sure to hit me up on Instagram at @vivnunez and like I mentioned last week I'm really pumped for this season and all the conversations we'll be having on here next week I'll actually have Jennifer Niven the author of the book All the Bright Places which is a Netflix movie that comes out this Friday don't miss it honestly you will cry your eyes out through the whole thing but the kind of crying that that cleanses the soul 1000 percent And we're going to be talking about writing, creativity, grief, a little bit more, just the process of using your own personal stories to inform what you put together creatively. So make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the episode next Tuesday. Have a great week.